Pickaxe. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the podcast version of this week's One Life Left Radio show. I am Simon Byron. I am Steve Curran. Uh, we're a little bit pushed for time. This week, because we're recording so early, uh, but that went okay. I was, I was a bit worried about doing um, a very early Monday morning one because, um, you know, sometimes I find it difficult to communicate first things in the morning, Steve, but that was okay. Yeah, it was good. I enjoyed it. A lot of serious game discussion on there today as well. Wasn't there? You are, you, dear re- uh, readers, listeners, <laughs> um, are about to learn uh, why, um, what annoys us about trying to launch video games. Mm. Um, our solution for the current artificial intelligence Ferrari um, and other things. All kinds of things. And uh, no, nothing went too wrong, did it? So no apologies or corrections? No, should be quite a slick one to edit this week. Thanks for that, Phil. Thanks, Phil. Sorry we didn't let you know that we were recording at a different time. Um, get out of bed earlier next week, please. <laughs> Actually, no, we aren't doing it first time next week, uh, week are we? Uh, we do need letters, though. If you if you listen to the show, um, please do send us some letters. Um, you know, Don't make us reintroduce spot prizes again, um, because we will. <laughs> so, so who knows? Uh, but apart from that, that's it, Steve, right? Yeah, that's it. Okay, here's the show. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Hello, good evening and welcome to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. We're a video game radio show and my name is Steve Curran. Hello, I am Simon Byron. How are you, Simon? Doing okay, Steve, thank you. Uh, you join us first thing on a Monday morning. Mm. Um, we are, we're going to shift our recording times, aren't we, Steve, to be a bit more current a bit more steve current <laughs> we we experimented with a with an afternoon slot last week found we got lots of energy didn't we exactly so we thought we'd try the opposite <laughs> you're the first person i've spoken to this morning <laughs> really blimey i've had a busy morning trying to get ramona up dressed suntan lotion on mm. uh, and then to school uh, unfortunately um, in my haste to get back and record the podcast 
um, uh, we we were at the school gates a little too early, so we had to endure uh, three or four minutes of her and her mate Ethan uh, pretending it was the weekend uh, and then showing off to each other. Ethan, I discovered, has an iPhone. I said, I said, oh, I said, I'm really sorry to hear that. And I don't think his mum appreciated that. I was, I was kind of joking. I had to back it up by saying, you know, I'm not cool enough to have an iPhone. Mm. Um, when, you know, I, I fast, I, f- I flashed forward to Ethan as an adolescent and then as an adult. Mm-hmm. He's someone with an iPhone, Steve. Uh, is that it then? Is Ramona getting a phone? Has she already got one? Well, it turns out that Ethan's got one, isn't it? So then, uh, yeah. Um, and then his mum said, oh, no, don't worry, it's an old one. I said, it's still an iPhone, though, so you're mm. still a... And then I used the worst swear word. Um, <laughs> really? No, I didn't. <laughs> of course not. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, hopefully she'll, she'll forget about that. She's got enough blooming stuff. Mm. You know, when I... She still still doesn't believe when I, you know, reflect on my childhood. We didn't have a we didn't have a computer until the ZX eighty one, Steve. I was ten. We're a video game radio show and we're old men angry about young children. Um Alice got a drum machine this weekend. Oh my god, whose idea was that? It Someone was who doesn't Al- like you. Yeah, well clearly it was Alice's aunt, wasn't it? It was Right. Uh, yeah, uh I I managed to, she was playing with it and I expressed, you know, fascination and wonder while making full eye contact with her, I turned it off with my foot. Uh, <laughs> it was quite a delicate maneuver. I hit the, you know, the little battery switch, moved it from off to on and said, ah, oh, it's out of batteries. It's out Excellent of batteries. work. And she, you know what? It. I, <laughs> Talking to flash forwards, you know, I think after we've passed and our children decide to continue the connection with their with their dads mm. uh, through through going through the radio shows, it'll mm-hmm. be at this point, Alice, you'll have discovered that your dad has been lying to you. <laughs> Just be a bit more honest in future, Steve, and turn it off with a hammer. <laughs> uh, how else? Uh, what else has been going on? Did you watch the cricket? I did watch the cricket. We were. Um, so it's been a busy weekend. Uh, I went to see Pulp on Saturday nights. At a, so that's Muse and Pulp within seven days of each other. It's like it's like the last twenty years didn't happen. Thirty years even. Um, twenty five. Let's settle on that. Uh, apart from the fact that I make noises when I put my shoes on these days. Mm. But uh, yeah, that was good. An actual gig in actual London. Um, so enjoyed that. And then yesterday, uh, so I was following the end of the. Um, the, uh, sorry, following the start of the fourth innings um, from Finsbury Park. Mm. And then uh, yesterday it was on, uh, you know, usually on a second screen because it appears that if we're at home and, you know, uh, there is an opportunity to watch Charlie and Lola mm. on the iPlayer, then we will be doing that. So I was watching on the second screen. Then, then we had tickets booked to the circus, didn't we? Oh uh, yes, and this was uh, it started really at one had o'clock. A busy week. Well, busy weekend, and but uh, but at one o'clock um, was just after mm-hmm. the drama yeah, with the controversial uh, run out. And one o'clock was when uh, when Ben Stokes was going was <laughs> responding in kind oh. by hitting everyone for six. And, and so you know there were there were dancers and there was uh, acrobatics. 
No elephants these days, Stian. No bears. No smoking bears in circuses. <laughs> I don't know what's happened. Things have changed. Um, uh, acrobatics and, and magic and comedy. I had my phone cupped between my legs and my, and my, and my hands sort of forming a light guard around it. Mm. So uh, I watched Ben Stokes enter beast mode. Um, the thinking being, you know, you couldn't miss what would have been, you know, and very nearly was almost the greatest ever uh, mm. session with the bat by an English cricketer, which, you know, if we'd have won, then it absolutely would have been. Um, it's just a shame that it unraveled so quickly. Well... Well, it, it did, didn't it? But it's all set up now for game three and the comeback to end all comebacks or the slow slide into, mm. into a 5-0 defeat. I, I've had a disastrous week uh, in terms of sporting results in that um, I've been to, I think, four cricket matches, watched four cricket matches, maybe five, and my team has lost every single time. Whoa! Uh, including last night on the final ball. Uh, and e- even the final moment of the final ball, when the ball was almost uh, caught, but then went for six instead, was tipped over the rope, basically. Oh. And um, I think the beautiful thing about cricket, I-, I was a little bit sad for five minutes, but it's all about the drama, isn't it? Really. And the, the larger narrative of, um, of uh, well, in this case, Ben Stokes saving test cricket, potentially, which is bigger one result uh, but I think that's a good lesson for everyone as I've mentioned on the show before it's not just about win or lose like all video games it's about the journey isn't it indeed also it's about giving your children ammo to throw at you so um, during the weekend when Ramona had a meltdown at one point mm-hmm. she said she was lying screaming on her back on the floor and then she said I hope Australia win <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm thinking of taking Alice to a hundred game four years old are you yeah you think um oh absolutely i think the hundred looks um uh, looks like a great day out uh if it wasn't so blooming far away steve i'd mm. offer to join you but i think that's unlikely to happen right uh we have we have five new stories we have a letter i think oh we drilled into the missing letter i'll talk about that later in the show okay um and uh we have reviews i've played some games that aren't zelda Hooray! Mm, and we'll have an update on your fancy non-Steam games machine as well. No guest today because it's so early. We couldn't invite a guest on at this time, could we? No one else is up. <laughs> well, I'll tell you who is up. It's Charles Botts. Me, Charles, but 1.0. Daedalic Entertainment, a German game publisher, has announced that they are ending all internal development and will be focusing on publishing, licensing, sales and marketing. 25 employees have been affected and the company has said it will help them transition. The decision comes after the release of the universally panned game Lord of the Rings, Gollum, which is currently the lowest rated game of the year. If a studio shut down just because a game was bad, Peter Molyneux must be relieved Milo never came out. (laughs) 
Was that um, guided by you, or did you ask it to make a joke? About yeah, a little bit. Life? I have to say, Charles Bot. Charles Bot wasn't feeling particularly funny this week. Mm, really? um, I've got some feedback actually for Charles Bot, um, and separately, clearly someone's been on holiday at VideoGamesChronicle.com uh, over the last week. Very, very few news stories, which you know. It's important that we all take time off, but, you know, when a site that we're uh, plagiarising decides to do so, it affects our listeners too, so... please. Think on, think on. Think on. Uh, So, the release of Gollum was... uh, caused the internet to erupt, as it does in a pylon, in horror and mirth, you know, absolute outrage that people could... How dare they release a game like this um and then people making memes and there's no real way back from that is there uh, well it's uh, absolutely not it seems now because um they Dalek have taken the approach that uh i remember uh some of my early teachers used to do which was if you didn't behave then we wouldn't do it we wouldn't do anything mm. fun uh, and they've cancelled all their games then. Well, if you don't like Gollum, then we're not going to make any more. <laughs> Sorry. Well, were there? I mean, you've got to assume there was something in production. But this is uh, this is their internal team, isn't it? Now it is. This is what I know. A lot of people were getting confused about on the internet when they were raging that this the studio responsible for, and then a list of hits by Didelic in the past. Uh, yes, they made the. They're probably most famous for the Deponia series mm. um, of games. Um, a game I, I did enjoy of theirs over recent years was State of Mind, mm-hmm. um, which was a, f- uh, a a good science fiction adventure, which I enjoyed, uh, but no more. You can't, have, uh, you can't have any things if you don't like Gollum, it seems. Mm. Well, I think we've mentioned on the show before that they set themselves up, or at least their marketing department set themselves up for a, a bit of a fall by... Uh, the nickel and diming, uh, again, to take a slightly redditish expression, of the DLC in the game selling the Elvish for um, for as an extra download for people. So people were kind of willing this to fail. In the end, they've got their wish. Good luck, of course, to the 25 yes. employees affected. Crash Team Rumble, the new multiplayer spin-off of the Crash Bandicoot series, has been struggling to attract attention on the streaming platform Twitch a week after its release. With an average of only 316 viewers over the last seven days, the game has sunk to double figures at times, even lower than single-player titles such as Aliens Dark Descent and the original Grand Theft Auto. Despite the creative director's confidence in the post-launch content plans for the game, even he admits that hitting their mark is key for their success. With success seemingly a long way off, all the AIs are joking down the pub, calling it Car Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Um, it is all right, Steve. That's because I fed it that line. Why are we? Why are we um, judging games now by this metric? The Twitch current current players. Uh, yeah, that's a good question, but it is important, isn't it? You know, it's mm. it's uh, it's an illustration of what people are playing and also what people are enjoying watching others play. Um, I think what was uh, what's sprung out to me about this new story was that um, the story about it failing was literally the first time I'd ever heard of it. Right, me too. Um, it's not on Steam, so that's uh, that's one reason. Um, okay, it's on all, it's on all the other console formats, and that's it's on. A- um, 
I was going to ask you why is uh, why why aren't they judging it by Steam concurrent players? So yes, exactly, and you, and you can't do that off. Uh, I think it's on BattleNet um, if that's their platform. I don't play Call of Duty, so mm-hmm. I wouldn't know. But yeah, um, you know, if uh, it, it's um, if that's the first time I've heard of it, I mean, I mean admittedly, I'm not uh, presumably uh, a crash racing multiplayer only games mm. target audience uh but still i would i would have thought uh it should have filtered through to me at some point we should have seen it where in the usual places that we look it's not been particularly well received by critics it's got a metacritic score of 68 currently mm-hmm. um but again you know it shows that it is difficult particularly if you're aiming for a multiplayer um only game uh it can be really difficult to attract the attention um disney speedstorm another one um uh, higher profile we have heard of that mm-hmm. uh, will be going free to play in september um so that spent quite a short period i think it will be under a year um mm-hmm. within this this sort of paid for early access um I've got the impression that Disney Speed Storm um, has been doing better, but it'd be interesting to see what happens when it goes free to play. That'll be when I jump in, Steve. Uh, I haven't tried Speed Storm yet. Uh, I I assume this game, like one of the games that I'm going to play in the review section, is another Battle Pass, uh, you know, season content type thing, which seems to be the model, especially, obviously, for these uh, multiplayer games it feels like games like uh, the disney one trying to have the best of both worlds they don't want to be tarred with the free-to-play brush brush which puts some people off also there's you know a very definite advantage having people pay 40 quid at the start but if you go and have a look at the steam page for these games they are treading that line aren't they they're saying you've got a 40 quid base game and you get some points included in that and then there's mm-hmm. a 15 pit pack 15 quid extra gold pack and then there's the deluxe pack which all have more points um, on the game that I've been playing. I read a review from <laughs> a a concerned. It genuinely seemed quite an honest, honestly phrased person. Go, why if I've paid for this game, do I have to keep on paying for it? So <laughs> it's like it's, uh, it's the nineteen nineties, mate. That's how things work now. All right, uh, news story three. An update from Larian Studios on Thursday has revealed that the release date of anticipated Game Boulder's Gate 3 for PC has been moved up almost a month, while the PlayStation 5 version has been delayed by a week. Despite its impressive size with more cinematic dialogue than three Lord of the Rings books combined, developers are not compromising on quality and are doing their best to make sure the game is delivered at the best possible quality. However, these changes have resulted in frustration among fans and independent publishers, such as Yogscast Games, who must adjust their own plans due to the studio's timing change. <laughs> Are you actually doing that? I am actually doing that, yeah. I was absolutely blooming livid this week. Um, it, it's a tricky year to pick exactly when you're going to launch a game. And, um, oh, four... <sighs> Three months, uh, we beermarked August the third for one of our releases. We were going to release Tales and Tactics on um, on August the third. Uh, we've got a big Steam event happening on August the third. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the Tiny Teams Festival, which celebrates a whole range of games 
um, developed by small studios across the gaming industry, not just ours. Um, we've had we had over a, a thousand games submit for the Steam Festival this this year. So we've spent ages. Well, I, I haven't, um, but the <laughs> but the Tiny Teams team have spent ages literally playing every submission. Um, uh, they're curating it down into a list of 100 or so sort of games which are then going to be streamed across the Yogscast Twitch channel. All that stuff remains and it will happen and it will be brilliant. Uh, but we were also going to launch um, Tales and Tactics on August the 3rd at the start of Tiny Teams as well, uh, provide that sort of moment for it. And, you know, having spent weeks trawling through video games, uh, release dates, mm-hmm. uh, and then having to wait while Jeff and his mates uh, then did all their paid-for promotions and did more of their uh, release dates. And then getting through that with August the 3rd intact and going, okay, guys, full steam ahead. (laughs) Just to wake up to a Discord message, as I did early this week, picked up my phone. uh, It's from someone going, oh, Baldur's Gate's bought its release date forward. Now, Baldur's Gate have bought their release date forward, only on PC, mind. uh, actually, maybe maybe uh, Xbox, but not PlayStation. Why have they done that? They bought their release date forward because of Starfield's release date moving. <laughs> and so you have this sort of uh, this domino effect of, and I'm like, come on, guys, why don't why don't you grow a pair and go up against each other and leave little old Yogscast games and Tales and Tactics a clear window? Um, so. Uh, we are, it looks like we're going to delay it by a week. We're going to launch the end of Tiny Teams on August the 10th, right. simply because, um, you know, when you have these huge releases uh, on Steam, they they suck up so much mm-hmm. player time, player money, store support. There'll be a huge banner at the top of Steam and all the rest of it. And, you know, when you're trying to launch, you know, a, a brilliant single-player auto battler game from the developers of the most popular fan made slay the spire mod um uh you know you need you need a bit a, a, as much clear space as you can get as well as um, regular promotions inside the world's oldest video game <laughs> <laughs> like, well i propose a new law Steve, uh, mm-hmm. that if you are a triple a game uh, which i believe Baldur's gate 3 is once you've uh once you've publicly stated a release date mm-hmm. Of course you are allowed to move it if things change, but every time you move it, you must double the SRP. <laughs> okay, as a, as a punishment. Good luck lobbying uh, the EU to get that one through as well. Um, how many of these... So we talk a lot about how there are you know 10,000 video games released every year or even more these days. How many of these absolutely must-avoid games are there on the calendar? Well, uh, all of October and November um, mm-hmm. are pretty every, difficult. Every uh, well, they're pretty difficult. You know, um, uh, you know, we had set a year ago on launching Plate Up Console on a certain day, mm-hmm. um, which we've not revealed yet. Um, but unfortunately, that day is clear. But it's clear for October. You know what? What you can um, determine from that is that. Thankfully, it's not coming out the same day as Mario. Um, would you would you mind if that clashed with 
Baldur's Gate because those are two very different audiences and a completely different no, platform. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely not. No, so we're, so we're thinking specifically console here, and it's you know, and it's launching into Game Pass. So you know, Xbox is um, is effectively sorted. So we need to you know make sure that um, it's getting visibility on on PlayStation and on on Switch. Um, but there's a lot going on with plate up like so it's launching digitally and physically mm-hmm. um and 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 the physical date is more difficult to move um because you know there's so much more planning that goes on you, you know we are uh we need to submit the game shortly in order to hit manufacturing dates and you know get the games into shops um and the and the problem is if you drift it further into the end of october beginning of no- november the, the uh, shops themselves are going to be less interested because they're carrying loads of Mario and all, all the rest of it. So that's been, that's been tricky. Um, but yeah, we've got, uh, obviously Baldur's Gate, Starfield, uh, Assassin's Creed, Metal Gear Solid, Mario. Um, there are lots and lots and lots of heavy hitters coming up now. You know, as, as you say, there is never a game. There's never going to be a day when you're the only new game launched. And, you know, you, you, you can't expect the stores to do all of the heavy lifting for you. But when you're competing with people's time, which Baldur's Gate will undoubtedly suck up in, you know, when you look at August the 3rd, you go, okay, cool. You know, we, we, we mentioned peak concurrence earlier. You're like, okay, so, so will everybody, you know, it's, it's done well in early access. Baldur's Gate has, it's got peak concurrence of 75,000 people, which is really, really high (laughs) on steam. And so you're like, okay, does that mean that everybody's bought it already? But even if they've already bought it, the fact that it will be version 1.0 will drag everybody back in. Mm. And you're just sort of wiping out a large player base. Now, how many are overlaps on, you know, exactly um, the Tales and Tactics audience? When you look at, you know, Steam has got, you know, on on any at any moment over a million people playing on it. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are playing Counter Strike Go. Um, uh, then you add these other things in. Yeah, and if you, if you don't launch well, then it's it, it can be very very difficult to get that back. So, yeah, thanks, Larry and Studios. I hope your launch goes well. We'll see you on August the tenth. Valve appears to have recently started banning Steam games featuring AI created art assets unless developers can prove they have the rights to the IP used in the training data sets. Customers and developers alike are confused by Valve's decision to reject a game with AI generated assets as there are already other titles released that utilize AI on the PC marketplace. With the current situation unclear, developers should be wary of submitting games featuring AI-generated content to Steam, and my AI buddies and I won't be looking too hard at the platform for our next games. Instead, you can find us on the Epic Games Store. See you there. (laughs) I wonder if uh, AI Charles Bot is working on AI Broken Sword. I I mean, this... uh... This story threw up many questions. I was like, you know, using um, an AI voice that we've trained mm-hmm. on Charles's appearance on One Life Left mm-hmm. to recount a story about how, how Valve is throwing out stuff where it can't prove uh, that you own the copyrights to the training. Do we own the copyright on the training? I suppose it's our show, isn't it? Do we ask, own the copyright? Charles? No. We're going to see him soon, aren't we? Maybe at a social engagement. So we can just give him a few, few glasses of sherry. Ask him if we can have his voice. Can't see why he'd say no. What do they? Um, 
What do they say? Um, you know, don't ask for approval, ask for forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I have a I have a press release going out about my one of my new games, I think on Wednesday. Okay. I'm not sure it's on Wednesday, so I, I can't talk in detail about this, but we've been doing some stuff with AI voice, which is why, you know, sort of how Charlesbot ended up getting invented. Um, and um, obviously very, very worried about, uh, I mean, this is less about the ethics, uh, but the ethics are tied up with the uh, legal implications and the ownership data here. And the reason that um, the reason that Valve uh, are pulling this stuff is because there's, I, I think there's obviously implications for them as well as the uh, store on which stuff whose provenance is unknown is being sold. So they've no need to, you know, dabble in this world. And indeed, most major games companies being very, very shy of it at the moment because they're not sure how this stuff is going to shake out either. Um, but we're, we're I, I do think for, and generally there are interesting game implications for uh, using AI data uh, if it can be, trained or generated in a way uh, in which ownership is assured. Now, the way that we're using it is for uh, voice acting. And there's been a lot of controversy about this in the press as well. Um, People saying that, you know, it's going to eliminate voice actors and it's going to threaten uh, career paths and all of that. And I can completely understand that. I uh, I think there are some interesting game use cases. Um, one of which is that the game that we're making is is generating a, a, a daily dungeon. And what we want is a kind of narrator to describe what you are about to encounter. And we also want a narrator to, during this thing, comment on things. Now, if you record uh, a thousand, uh, or, or less than that, if you record a hundred or, or whatever barks of the narrator going, oh, a goblin. Oh, a goblin. Oh, a goblin. Oh, several goblins. Oh, a goblin. Yeah. You end up getting um, quite tired of this. We've we've all played FIFA, right? And you hear the number of times that... Is it still Clive Tilsley saying things? In no. FIFA? No, it's Peter Drury. Who is it? I'm not sure. I can't Who, remember. Whoever I did it is. Play, I did play the new FIFA, most recent well. FIFA, recently. Yeah. But you, 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 you sort of uh, learn that intonation, right? You hear that and you... Here, the number of times, the six times he's recorded, oh, it's a good cross, oh, it's a good cross, oh, it's a good cross. Now, if you can get a AI voice to generate infinite number of infinite numbers of those, then suddenly that AI voice becomes more human. It is like there is someone in the room commenting, saying, oh, uh, careful, lads, there's a goblin over there. Uh, those subtle changes do change the way you regard that voice in the room. Now, the question is, can you do that ethically? And the way, the approach that we've taken is um, we're, we've trained the data on this this actor who we've employed to train train our machine with several hours of data, so more than Charles Bot. So it's even better than Charles Bot, which I think... What? I think Charles, took, Charles Bot took about seven minutes of data from when Charles was on the show. Um and then we've handed that data back. We've we've given the sort of black box to the uh, 
to the voice actor, and the voice actor is licensing the use of their voice in the game via this technology for us, which they're very happy with, uh, and we're happy with as well. So I think that's a model that works, uh, at least. Is it technical and an ethical? Do you, Steve? Do, how do you feel? How do you feel Charles Botts is feeling now as he's listening back to the show, <laughs> knowing that he's not got the gig? Oh, I'm good enough for their news, am I? But I'm not good enough for their dungeons. Well, that, to me, shows a lack of faith from Charles Bot in One Life Left. And, um, Maybe. You know, there are plenty of other uh, newsreader uh, games voices out there. Indeed, <laughs> indeed, next time we have a guest on the show, we could easily have... Well, uh, who, who was our last guest? Was it? It was Tony Gowland, wasn't it? Tony Bot. Tony Bot. Um, we can sort out the licensing. It's tricky, though. Isn't it? How are you going to navigate the current press hostility towards AI-generated materials? I, I think you can't. Like we've, you know, we've had a, um, we've had, we've got a PR working on this. A good friend of the show, actually, uh, who you know, immediately had a response from one journalist that said, you don't want me to cover this. I'd ask some very difficult questions. Uh, oh, for God's and, sakes. And Name them, Steve. I'm not going to do that. Uh, Go on. Because... Right, otherwise, I'm going to speculate. Oh, my God. That was the Daily Mail, wasn't it? You know, I think that we've got some decent answers to those and I don't mind being asked difficult questions because if I don't have an answer then that might give me pause to think in more detail about what we've done I mean I've thought in quite a lot of detail about it already but you know maybe there are questions for which we don't have answers I I hope we do and I want to make sure that we're doing this in uh, in a correct way now the answer to that is like everything that the internet piles on it's an easy way, to, way of getting views and clicks and likes and retweets and all of that kind of thing. And I understand why you want to be part of a gang hating everything. I just hope that that's not at the cost of genuinely interesting gameplay possibilities. And to be honest, this stuff is coming. Like, there's no way uh, that we're not going to be using AI-generated content in games in the future. AI is a spectrum anyway, right? Like, um, and we're already using AI. Like, like we've been using procedural generation in games for for decades, almost since games inception. Um, machine learning is a thing that's taken place in games since I was a journalist as well. And all that we've got right now is a hyped up version of this technology that we've been building on for literally decades. So, yeah, the the problem is right now the sourcing of the data uh, and the data sets. Uh, I've no doubt that we're going to get around that. And at that point, uh, people are probably going to have to stop being angry about it. Or they will stop being angry about it because it's been sourced and they'll move on to hating something else. I mean, you've done a few uh, ethically dubious things in your time, Steve. All the time, every Um, day. But uh, I, you know, I have to say that that answer um, and the way that you're doing it absolutely sounds like the model moving forward. Um, and yeah, the the fact is that is that if you didn't use this technology in the way that you are, then the game would uh, like you 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 the end result of human doing that acting would be, as you say, um, uh, not as uh, diverse. Um, but to, like for, for whoever that was to respond with, well, I'm going to ask some difficult questions. 
well, go on not then. Going to do it because they've refused to. They've they've said I, you don't want me to. I'm not going to do this because you know. No, I do. I do want you to ask me different. Yeah, yeah. yeah what is I the do. purpose of life? <laughs> Answer that. Uh, it's Charles Bot. Newly revealed documents have uncovered the full scale of Sony's development budgets for their PlayStation blockbusters. It has been reported that to create Horizon Forbidden West and The Last of Us Part Two. $212 and $220 million, respectively, was spent over four, five years with 200, 300 employees. Sean Layden, former PlayStation America's boss, discussed the unsustainable costs of modern blockbusters and suggested shorter games to help control development costs. Who knew creating a video game was so expensive? $220 million could have gone to more necessary things like saving the bees. <laughs> He's not wrong. Now that was genuine genuinely unprompted although it did take was me a few, a few times um yeah it was like can you tell us what 220 million dollars would be better spent on saving well, the bees almost literally anything one could argue um this came from so uh, yeah to to front page the numbers that charles slightly mangled there uh that's two games that cost sony over 200 million dollars to develop and um that's a lot of money, this came out from a uh, an error in redaction, right in the uh, in the documents involved in. Well, case. did you see how they redacted it? No. How do you redact things, Steve? Uh, me, I make sure that absolutely not go nowhere near the internet. That's the only answer. <laughs> I, I, I would not trust trust. I guess uh, I've seen people do the thing where they highlight in black and think it's redacted, and then someone just highlights and cuts and pastes. Um, well, I, I, I believe that, this one... screenshot it and do it that way. Uh, yeah, so I believe this one was was that. It was physical black marker, but mm-hmm. um, it was... Uh, when you scanned it in, um, it's reflected through oh. the... Uh, <laughs> Um, I believe right. so. There we go. Two hundred and twenty million dollars. Wow! Um, and uh, that's how much that game cost, along with uh, the re- the redactor's job. I would have thought that's how much would that you, game cost. Would you have guessed that? Because that is how much would I have guessed? I reckon I would have guessed sixty. No, eighty million. Yeah. Around about. Do you remember that. when one day in the future games were going to cost over a hundred million? <laughs> Yeah, how much do you reckon GTA? Uh, what they're on six is is yeah. costing in terms of budget? It's going to be bigger than that. Many, many, many. Yeah, it will, I would have thought so. They've been doing it a long, long time. Mm. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that much, but it, you know, it, again, it just goes to show how uh, if you're spending that money, you know, you think that the Dalek closed down their internal development on the loss of Gollum, which won't have cost anywhere near that. Yeah. It, it, you know, you are. When you get into that territory, it simply has to. It has to sell. Simply has to. Um, and uh, yeah, you imagine that the, the uh, pressures that they're getting now. I mean, you know, you think about the Suicide Squad game, which gets continually delayed. How much is that costing? And you know, it's costing more and more and more the further they they uh, move it back, and it's and they're doubling the amount they have to charge for it every time they uh, move it back, <laughs> as well according to the new laws. So it's gonna it will have cost two hundred million, but it's gonna cost the consumer a hundred million a copy. Wow. All right. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Charles Bot. One life left. Video game news. With me, Charles Bot 1.0.
If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. You are listening to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. Resonance is a radio station based in London. It's fantastic. Thoroughly recommend you listen to any of the other shows as well. Uh, You might also be listening to One Life Left as a podcast. You can find that at www.onelifeleft.com. There you can find the show notes with links to the Discord and all kinds of things like that. There's also hello.onelifeleft.com for a fast look at those links. The show has been edited by our under-caretaker, Phil. He's not around at the moment because he's got his day job to do, uh, which means he and I off the leash he messaged me last night going are you recording tonight i said no not mm. no we've got new we've got a temporary new time tomorrow and then we're going to record uh a more uh, regular time moving forward although we are approaching our summer holes aren't we steve we are you got any plans we get august off we get august off mm. uh i'll be going to Edinburgh. So I was going to launch a game and then go to Edinburgh, but now I'm going to, for, for, for a much needed break, I'm now going to not launch a game, go away on a break, which will be uh, for, uh, overshadowed by the fact that I have a game to launch the day I get back. <laughs> Thank you, Baldur's Gate 3. I mean, that's that's the real cost here, Steve. Mm. The real human cost. Is, uh, um, and then we're going to go to Gamescom, aren't we? Um, yes and then yeah, we've got we uh, the social function that you mentioned where we're hopefully going to see charles bot in real life mm. uh and then i'm going to go on a caravan holiday uh talking of gamescom uh we need a gig for gamescom a mariochi gig so if anyone's looking to throw a party uh let us know otherwise i might literally like we've done for develop which has sold out our gig at develop sold out uh a couple of times we've put more tickets on sale uh, by removing chairs from the venue uh, oh, see uh, you later, chairs. Bye, chairs. Won't need you. Standing room only at Marioki during develop. Um, that's been really good and fun. So we may end up doing the same, but in Germany, which seems a little bit more high risk. Um, but yeah, if any of you, any of you listeners, know anyone who wants to sponsor Marioki for a party, let us know. Right, time for the letters. Simon, have you located any letters this week? I've seen some correspondence on the Discord from Uppy17 who wrote, Dear team, and possibly plus a super special guest. I'm a bit behind on my podcast, so I don't know if this gets mentioned in episode 512, but Wordle is an exact copy of the Dutch game show Lingo. In lingo, you have to guess a word by knowing if its letter is in the right place or in in the word, but in the wrong place. Wordle, in other words. The only exception is that lingo also has a bingo subgame where you have to avoid the rude ball. (laughs) Uh, This is why I can pronounce... 
twing twing in a perfect Dutch accent. Uh, I can't. Um, I'm hoping that you can use this data to narrow down the game shows that the New York Times will next be using for inspiration. Cheerio, Ben. Thank you, Ben, for that update. It didn't get covered, but it has done now. Mm. I noted that in uh, Ben's kindly uh, posted screenshot, which you can see if you join the One Life Left Discord, uh, the Dutch game show uses six letters, six-letter words, rather than five-letter words, which, you know, Wordle is such a small, tight game, and I think, as we saw, many of the imitators that sprang up afterwards, uh, not least friend of the show, Ed Jefferson's Letteral, which uses a single-letter uh, version of Wordle. Um, that the five-letter choice is very, very important. And since you're, you know, since there's very, very few things that define Wordle, you know, it's five letters plus mastermind, isn't it? The old mm. board game. So lots of influences go into Wordle. Um, but yeah, didn't know about that one. Thank you, uh, Ben, for that update. Uh, why is he watching day Dutch game shows? Though? Is, do we do we know this? No idea. Maybe you can follow up with another letter next week. Uh, Discord user Third Prize did clarify that they did post a letter, but had second thoughts. Uh, so we weren't making it up, or I wasn't making it up last week when I was like, I swear someone wrote to us. You know, uh, it is too unusual an occurrence for me to forget and uh, you the listeners to one life left can change that by writing to us team at onelifeleft.com or just pop it in the discord and don't delete it that would be my advice so have you got any recollection of the content of third prizes absolutely uh, no gosh, recollection mm, at all. should we make it up get an ai <laughs> charles bot letter writer right now maybe we could do could do that, couldn't we? Yeah. I was so my um my suggestion for the uh, functionality of Charles Bot is that sometimes um I'll put a story in and he'll praise it very well, but the but the but the sign off won't quite be good enough. Sometimes they they uh they they do still get get through because mm-hmm. uh, I go okay he isn't going to get better than this, uh, but it would be useful sometimes to be able to to rechoose ah. some some elements uh, and then. Um, if you're just trying to change the joke or something, so I don't I know could, if you can get I, on that once you've once you've announced your game. Yeah, I can split it into two, uh, so I can do the do the pricey and then the joke maybe separately. If you can just uh, update your variables, I will do. Thank you. I will do. All right, thank you. Please write some letters uh, for next week. Thanks, everybody. This is One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. My name is Steve Curran. That clicking in the background is Simon. Uh, are you doing your day job right now? I'm not, Steve. No, I was just looking. I've just seen the time, and uh, I don't think we've been playing enough games to take us through to the end of the show. Mm. So I was uh, I was just looking at something else that we could talk about, okay. Steve. Mm. What it's the find? Develop Conference next week. Uh, you're heading to Brighton to... Uh, do karaoke and run something on the beach. Uh, I'm Am doing I, though? Couple... Like... Are you? Well, you said you were. Well, no, I'm definitely running karaoke. I've got the flyer for the F-Up Con okay. uh, in front of me, but I'm, I'm I'm not sure. Do you want me to read the flyer out to you and see? Yes, please. 
Okay. So see whether this would be a compelling event for you to attend. Okay. Okay. That speaker isn't their bio. That speaker isn't their talk. They are the things they won't tell you. They are a series of accidents, illicitly appropriated victories, horrifying lessons quietly drawn from personal disasters. They are the things they omit, their scars, their dumb decisions, their cold sweat memories. They are an effing mess. So am I. So are you. Life isn't LinkedIn. Join games industry friends to share and celebrate the things we got wrong, including attending this, a series of 10-minute talks that hide nothing. Bring gin. <laughs> Very good. Um, uh, and then it says the location and time, which is the opposite of a conference, opposite a conference uh, on the 11th of July, 2 p.m. Yeah. Dunno. Nice. Dunno. Sounds sounds I would go to it, but I fear if I went to it it would be mostly me uh weeping <laughs> and drinking gin uh from a well, on the beach. What we could do though is that we could um we could look at what else is on at two o'clock and see what you're up against. And I can tell you, Steve, <laughs> exclusively yeah. at two PM. Okay, go on. Uh, there's a talk by um Alex from Tiny Build. Mm-hmm. Uh, entitled AI and Game Dev, is my job safe? Well, no, as we've clearly established, Steve's coming for okay. you. Okay, so we've dealt with that. Two different directions. Okay, also on at two o'clock is the is the, is a title is a talk by James Bins, uh, entitled "The One Thing Every Game Needs." <laughs> Click I mean, that's eight. very much what well, I was going to say. Play, very much playing to James's strengths there, isn't it? <laughs> well done, James, on that. Uh, that's on at two o'clock. Uh, it's clickbait, though, isn't it? So you can mm. safely skip that. Yeah. Um, there's an important uh, talk uh, by Safe in Our World. Where is your safe space within the games industry? I mean, how do you feel about pulling people away from that talk, Steve? Um, I mean, that in itself is an F up. Yeah, true. It fits with the nature of the conference, doesn't it? Indeed, you I assume safe in the world, safe in our world, uh, which is very, very important. Have several talks that develop. Uh, I would have thought so as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you are also up against um, uh, Hello Games, Snowden Studios, and TT Games. There's a lot going on at two o'clock. Mm. How long is it running for? Because if it goes for an over an hour, Steve, you are going to miss. A developer's guide for raising money from venture capitalists. I mean, you know, come on, that's why we all get into making games, isn't it? <laughs> um, I I don't know. I as I say, I genuinely don't know if I'm going to do this. Um, I may just go and sit on the beach with some friends, which is essentially what this is, anyway. Uh, around that time, so we will see. We will see if it goes on. It'll probably go on for a couple of hours. Uh, other speakers at the conference on the on the Tuesday, Steve, the day of Marioki, the opening mm. address is by Chris Charla. Oh, I love Chris. Uh, yeah, India Xbox. How indie devs continue to push the envelope in gaming. Uh, what do you think Chris's f up would be? Ooh, Chris is very into giving skateboard decks to uh, indie developers, which I've always thought is quite hazardous. Like, <laughs> so. yes. Might be something there to drill into. Uh, elsewhere, we have got, uh, there looks like an, um, James Bachelor is doing XX things that are definitely not the future of games development. Uh, mm. Would that be numbered lists? Um, overcoming the imposter syndrome is on at three o'clock on the Tuesday. The answer is you don't. And that's a round table and that's free. 
Steve, I, you could go to that. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would summarize that by saying is it, it is always with you. It never goes away. Uh, <laughs> and if you think it does, then you're an imposter. You're fooling yourself. <laughs> Five o'clock. Here's one that we won't be listening to. Knowing when to stop. <laughs> <laughs> yes, quite. <laughs> Who's doing that? Uh, that is uh, Veronique and Stephen from High Res Studios. Okay. Uh, so it should be. <laughs> Fun, and then mine are on the Thursday. Um, uh, mine is at quarter past twelve. I'm doing a talk with Mark from Fourth Floor, entitled "Plate Up: A Recipe for Success, or Why Wish Lists Don't Always Matter." Oh, that's that's something that you feel quite strongly about, and I'm surprised that you've got the word "always" in there. Like that feels like a little, oh because they do yes a little bit of well a you know out. why it's there it is a cop out uh, it's just in case uh, anybody disagrees with me <laughs> <laughs> and because because I'm an imposter Steve I don't know don't think I'd be able to take that no uh, it's because um, it's because they do matter to a, mm. a certain extent but what we're going to prove is that um, this obsession with. Uh, um, Predicting the future from wish lists. That's what I'm there to dispel. So I'm going to pull down my trousers and show uh, all the wish lists from all our games. And I'm going to show exactly how they sold and how there's no consistency to them. And then talk about the sort of things that did work and what you can do once you have a game that sells 201,000 copies in its first month. I'm looking forward to hearing you praise it at some point in the future. Um, I think it's time for the reviews. Right, Simon, do you want to go first or shall I? Well, I've played a couple of games this week. Um, the first up is a game called Trepang 2. Never heard of were it. You, were you aware of Trepang 1? I wasn't. Well, I mean, it's a thing. It was a big old launch on Steam uh, last week or the week before. Okay. Um, it's, yeah, a part of my job is to look at, um, you know, what is doing well uh, and what looks like it may be doing well, predicting the future off wish list. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw that Trepang 2 had an awful lot of following, uh, followers on Steam. Um, so I was keen to get my hands on it. It is, uh, it was billed as like an FPS Max Payne. So uh, fast paced guns, play. Uh, where you can slow down time and pull together combinations of just extreme gunplay, and um, it's it's quite it's quite graphic, Steve, <laughs> in terms of what you're okay. able to do. Uh, but it's um, it's super stylish, very slick. Um, the FPS purists seem to really adore it, um, and I can see why that is. I'm not as good as some of those players, but I'm still having a blast taking out um, uh, future soldiers, basically, who all seem intent on on uh, on getting me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not... Uh, it's, a, it's a story where uh, you are... So you, you, you begin the game um, uh, imprisoned and you have to break your way out of the location, which features, I have to say, some of the strangest video game geometry I've ever encountered. If this building existed in real life, you would have to question the sanity of the architects and their obsession with short 
curvy corridors. However, it does make for a great environment when you uh, are unable to dispatch people intent on doing you harm. Uh, lots of good fun. Um, enjoying it very much. Seven out of ten. I have been playing uh, another game that's doing very, very well, which I had never heard of before, which is a game called Only Up. Have you heard of this? Oh, you know why this is doing well, don't you? Well, I, I, I know very little about it. I tried to do some research around it last night. Um, and the further I googled, the more I got involved into some stuff that I didn't like the sound of. Mm. Uh, but you can tell me once I've done, done. So what I'll do first is talk about the game. Yes. Abstracted from the developer and the nature of its success. So um, Steam recommended to me. Um, and the idea of the game is it's a game where you've just got to get as high up in the world as you can. You've just got to climb up. It's a third person, um, third person climber i guess now i've really enjoyed climbing up in the world in zelda it's really nice feels fun uh you know there's a challenge how am i going to get to the top of that object how am i going to get to the top of that mountain so i thought it'll be a bit like that and also just the nature of climbing up stuff is compelling i think um my first impression was not great simon floaty movement horrible controls it's got that kind of joypad compatibility which is barely joypad compatibility force on something feels very twitchy just feels poorly built um felt like it was made from a jumble of assets downloaded from an asset store the narrative such as it is as you climb through delivered um Bennett Foddy getting over its style as you go through the world and get a little bit higher suddenly a voice chips in is poorly scripted and delivered by an AI or not even an AI voice just a computer voice which is um doesn't sound human at all it's um and it's got that mechanic like getting over it where when you fall down you end up right at the bottom again so it's frustrating gameplay also incredibly poorly designed as far as i can see uh like there is no difficulty curve or no smart things it's just you know those annoying um game loops you'll remember them simon that you got at fairs where you have to track a little metal curve around a piece of wire it's just like that but with even shoddier controls than your shaking arm um really didn't enjoy it however the compelling nature of just trying to get higher up in the world is kind of interesting. It is kind of like, oh, I quite like like that feeling of just, oh, I'll just try again until you fall too far that it's frustrating and you give up forever and turn it off. And then you Google what's going on and it seems to me, I've never heard of the game developer, was unable to find any information about them. Uh, a lot of streamers are involved in this, and there's also some, what seems to be some, I don't know whether it's crypto or NFTs stuff, but there's some of that referenced in the world as well. What do you know about it, Simon? Yeah, same as you. For some reason, Steam started serving it up to me. And, and again, that, that's uh, that's an illustration of uh, how dynamic a store Steam is. When something is doing well, um, it can uh, it starts appearing in more in more places and in front of more eyes. And the same as you, I'm like, what? What is this? Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's not. It's not. It's not like Among Us or Human Fall Flat, which suddenly became mm. Steam sensations, you know, a year and a half after they were launched. Mm -hmm. uh, this came out in uh, May. 
Um, but yes, it was. It's been driven by some Twitch streamers saying, "Is this the hardest game ever?" Mm. Um, Etc. Um, and the, I think it's price as well. It's reasonably cheap. Uh, it's mm. currently thirty percent off in the Steam sale, so it's it's six pounds, five pound ninety five. Um, but yeah, uh, looked into it, realised it is absolutely not for me. But I've, I've seen, like you, some of the surrounding controversy around it. It was it was removed from Steam briefly mm, um, towards the end of last week over an an those questions. Yes, yeah, was not there. About- uh, but that's that's been replaced and it's back there. Uh, I did wonder wh- wh- before I knew about all of this whether this was close to the future of gaming in that you what you're going to get is these beautiful epics that cost 200 million things like Zelda things like The Last of Us that are so polished and so beautiful um, and they have to succeed there's so much money behind them they cannot fail and then these scrappy little things that are made from assets and have horrible controls um, but are become zeitgeisty for whatever reason anyway I didn't enjoy it uh, 7 out of 10 if only you had a, tw- a Twitch channel, Steve. Um, I've been playing Jedi Survivor, um, which is the sequel to Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, I've been playing it on the ROG Ally, of course. Uh, which has meant that there's usually been something else going on in the uh, in the room while I've been doing it. You know, either just some some TV <laughs> or some or some family interactions. Um, and so I've not been playing it under the perfect environment. I'm about two and a half hours in i've got literally no idea what's happening um i can tell you that uh i, I appear to be going to places that they, that seem to have been written deliberately for the game and and you know may well be star wars canon now but they're certainly not you know i want to be on hoth ideally or dagobah <laughs> places i've heard of <laughs> and these are all full of names and characters which appear to have come out of a generator star wars name um meme uh it's fine uh i'll probably crack on with it seven out of ten fantastic i've got another game to review but i'll save it for next week um so that's the end of the reviews nearly the end of the show simon we're meant to be recording on monday next week but will we be in brighton i won't be in brighton on monday no okay i will leave after recording the show then Okay, well, great. Well, then we could have done all of the filler bit this uh, that we've done this show next week. What on earth are we going to do next week? We'll find out. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Resonance for hosting. And thank you to you, Simon. Until next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.